I'm Kevin, and this is Jean-Luc and Me, Episode 4. I've written my next poem in honor of my cat. I call it Ode to Spot. Felis catus is your taxonomic nomenclature, an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature. Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute to your hunting skill and natural defenses. I find myself intrigued by your subvocal oscillations, a singular development of cat communications that obviates your basic hedonistic predilection for a rhythmic stroking of your fur to demonstrate affection. A tail is quite essential for your acrobatic talents. You would not be so agile if you lacked its counterbalance. And when not being utilized to aid in locomotion, it often serves to illustrate the of your emotion. The complex levels of behavior you display connote a fairly well-developed cognitive array. And though you are not sentient and do not comprehend, I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend. Today's episode, The Last Outpost. And what the hell just happened? So I did those first few episodes kind of in a shot, just across a day or two. And... I had to take a big break before coming back for this episode. That was too much Next Generation, back to back to back. In a world of binge-watching, a show like this would not survive. I'm not necessarily saying that's inherently a bad thing. I think there's uh, inherent drawbacks to dropping entire seasons at once and and the way binge-watching affects storytelling in television, but it's interesting to note that if they dropped 26 episodes of Next Generation, you know, uh, in one day on a streaming service, you would, nobody would get through the first four episodes and think, yeah, I'm going to keep watching this. It really, I'm sure, benefited from the week-to-week airing situation because you could just watch a story. Maybe it was decent, maybe it was bad, maybe you liked it, and then you could just go about your life and a week later you get another one. Uh, I'm gonna try to do that. Something a little closer to that from now on. I, I will not be binging these one after another after another. Fuck that. Oh, good for you! And how was it? Something I found really strange about this episode was that, I don't wanna say it was low stakes, uh, but it was, it was low on tension. Even when the situation was supposedly dire, or going badly, or, you know, interesting, uh, the, the, the crew acted, um, bored about it, almost? Sometimes they seemed uh, excited by the danger, but not in, like, a daredevil way. It was almost like... They were never actually worried. Everything happened at this lackadaisical pace. No one was in a particular hurry to do anything. Even at the end, when the ship was growing, was it colder and colder? Even then, the despair was at a a minimum. It was very um, safe, very antiseptic. Kind of... Uh, ruined the episode. Although there were other things that ruined the episode. Um, I suppose I should get a couple of little things out of the way. Picard is is hella French, I guess. Hella French. 
that doesn't work with Patrick Stewart. It just doesn't work. I don't know why they insisted on keeping it so hard. He was growing misty-eyed over the colors of the ancient French flag. He swore in French at one point, and, and in a previous episode, uh, somebody was about to talk shit about the French, and they were like, no, no, not in front of Picard. It's genuinely strange. Genuinely strange. Especially considering the global nature of, of Earth and the One World Government, and it's it's strange. I don't get it. I don't know why they do that. Why are they doing that? What is it with Jordy at the beginning of this episode when he goes down to engineering? Maybe they're setting up him becoming the, the chief engineer or whatever at some point, but it was oddly out of character. He's been a sort of more uh, laid-back, reserved, chill-but-no-nonsense kind of guy, as far as I can tell. And then all of a sudden in this episode, he's literally going, Woo-wee! We'll show him how to yeah! Woo! And I'm like, where did this Jordy come from? That's straight-up strange. Just strange. Very little in this episode uh, was straight-up bad until the end. But so much of it just didn't work. There just wasn't a lot going on emotionally. There wasn't a lot of meat to hook into, to sink your teeth into, story-wise, character-wise. The... The Electro Whip weapon is so stupid. Like, I'm fine with an electrified whip, sure, I guess, but how the fuck is a whip gonna be a projectile weapon? It shoots energy at the end of the whip. That's dumb. I didn't like it. That's... that's dumb. Basically, the whole episode really falls apart. There was... <laughs> it was floating along. There wasn't much to it, but at least it was kind of keeping up its momentum. But it really started falling apart once the away team and the Ferengi met on the surface. The fight that Tasha broke up was fucking laughable. It was terrible. Meeting that godlike being for another trial just like the pilot, which was only a few episodes ago. I mean, same as the pilot, it's Star Trek as fuck, but like, I should have been interested in the interactions between the Ferengi and uh, Starfleet, between the Ferengi and, and our crew, and instead I was getting distracted by this completely other thing. Although you could say that that ended up being a benefit to the episode because the Ferengi were being played so hard for laughs. They were not a credible threat in any way, despite all of the setup. And so I guess maybe focusing entirely on a Ferengi v Starfleet, Ferengi v Enterprise crew conflict wouldn't have been the greatest thing. And so it got saved, but it just ended up muddying the episode. And they only introduced him towards the very end and then he's, he's, fuck all y'all barbarians, and then two minutes later, it's a face turn, and he's just talking to Riker like they're homies, and it had no time to breathe, no time to develop. I, I did not like it. Once the Ferengi and the away team met up on the surface, everything on the surface was terrible from that point on. There was some cool stuff on the Enterprise. Some of the best Enterprise stuff was on the back end of it when everything's going cold. But it was... It was not enough to make up for the terrible, terrible climax on the surface. 
And I've got a couple of nitpicks. The Ferengi that's being played by Armin Shimmerman. It's good to see Armin Shimmerman, I guess. Uh, but he says something about gold being a valuable metal when the exact same actor, 10 years later or whatever, on DS9 as Quark, literally says, whose idea was it to suspend liquid latinum inside of worthless gold? The whole idea that gold is worthless becomes, like, kind of important, kind of important to the Star Trek mythos. So there's a, there's a nitpick for you, see? Earning my, earning my nerd cred here. And then this is sort of another nitpick. It starts as a positive. I almost put it in the next section, but it, it turns itself around into a negative right quick. So Picard asks Beverly about Wesley, and she says he's in their quarters, and she considered giving him a sedative. And Picard says, it's good you didn't. He deserves to meet death awake. And I was like, yeesh, but in a good way. Uh, Picard has been shown to be bad with children, and that's, it seems like a very Picard thing to say, and not realizing how saying it would affect Beverly, and it's brilliant. And then immediately she turns it into this, like, gender role thing, for like no reason. She's like, is that of the male perspective? And then he just says, rubbish, and walks away, and it's like, did you, did you, like, were you going to write the rest of that scene later? Did you put in a couple placeholder lines, like, thinking you'd come back to it? And, like, ended up, like, completely ruining the best moment in the episode? All right, for sure. Um, how do I rate this? How do I rate this? On the Earl Grey scale, I would rate this at Luke Cold. You've heard of lukewarm? This is the opposite. This is Luke cold. It's not really cold, but it's, you know, it's kind of cold. You would not, if this were Earl Grey tea, you would not want to drink it. Say something nice! I liked the bit with uh, the two young boys in the meeting room that Riker had to chase out. And I like the Chinese finger trap bit with Data that it led to in that same scene. Those were both good. First one was a great sort of character moment for Picard and also for Riker and keeps us up to date on Picard's problem with children. Um, and the second one is just a good comedic gag. Obviously Brent Spiner is the man and he's getting more comfortable with Data, though there are some problems. He uses a contraction at the end of the episode and it just hit my ear so wrong. But um, that's more of a nitpick. Oh yeah, uh, Brent Spiner's good. That was funny, good physical comedy liked it I liked it that one part um, it's a small thing but when Picard was talking to what's his name Montar when Picard was talking to Montar on the view screen uh, and they were doing the over the shoulders on Picard Montar was huge taking he took up the entire background and it really made him menacing uh, it was it was the only thing in the entire episode that gave any weight to the situation at all, and uh, it was it was subtle, but it was good. It was well done, and it it served its purpose. And I wish that sort of care had been put into more details uh, throughout the episode, especially as regards the Ferengi. On a similar note, I really liked 
the way picking up and hanging up the hails worked. Uh, there was a bit more detail in it, work put into exactly how picking up and hanging up uh, hail calls works. The first time Picard shows visual, he says, you should be seeing us now. And then a few seconds later, uh, oh, what the hell is his name? Montar. Mantor? The wrestler from WCW? Sorry, I'm getting off track. He <laughs> he turns on his visuals a few seconds later. And so there's, there's, there's this acknowledged staggering of, of uh, turning on the visuals. And then, later on, Tasha says that she's cut off their side of the hail. But when they show the reverse shot, you can see Montar on the screen, and then he blips himself off. So he actually stayed on a little longer. It's not a simultaneous hang-up. It's, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. And it's, it's maybe even confusing to people who are only barely paying attention or whatever, but I really appreciated that level of detail. I don't remember them doing that in Voyager or even Enterprise. Um, so, yeah, they should have kept they should have kept that going. I like that. You can see how hard I have to try to like things in, in um, these early episodes, I'll say. Hopefully it gets better as it goes on. Somebody needs to get on top of the situation and fix it! Okay, so here's what you do. Take out the godlike being thing completely. You just hit that a couple episodes ago. You don't need it. So you start out, there's a distress signal from the Ferengi, and basically they've got themselves caught in sort of space quicksand. Space sand. It works on some technical mumbo-jumbo, blah-blah-blah technobabble. Uh, Picard decides that this is the perfect opportunity to take a thorn from a lion's paw. They want to help immediately. They're all about it. But the big conflict at first is that the Ferengi don't even want their help because they just don't understand charity. So a big chunk of the beginning is just uh, convincing them to let uh, Picard's crew help them. And we learn about Ferengi culture, and um, they get played a little more down the middle as far as for laughs or as a villain. And uh, when they finally consent to being helped, the tractor beam ends up transferring the space sand from the subspace sand from the Ferengi ship to the Enterprise, so now the Enterprise is stuck. And even though they offered their help immediately, the Ferengi, of course, are beginning negotiations for what the Enterprise can trade to the Ferengi, and on the flip side, suddenly terrible Samaritans. And they do the whole thing, and it's funny, and Picard's huffing and puffing, but he's trying his best, and they're getting everything together in this single cargo bay. During final negotiations, the Ferengi try to prematurely beam everything out of that cargo bay, but the transporter beam ends up spreading the subspace sand across both ships, and now they're both stuck. And the idea is that now they actually have to work together to get out. Neither one of them, because of Technobabble, neither one of the ships will be able to get out on their own. They have to coordinate their efforts. And it becomes a sort of morality play uh, about the, the benefits of working together rather than trying to make a buck. 
even if it doesn't really sink in to the Ferengi, they kind of they, they kind of like toy with the idea of starting to realize, but they don't. But we, the audience, know what's going on. It's a bit simpler. It cuts a lot of the just the sort of unnecessary fluff and focuses down in on the Ferengi and what their deal is. Uh, and I think it would work a lot better. Uh, this wasn't this wasn't like as bad as some of the others. It didn't have as glaring of mistakes as the others, I guess, is the way to put it. It was still <laughs> not great, but it was hard to point to a single thing and be like, that's unacceptable. That's fucking dumb. It was just kind of lame. Um, I will take a bit of a break before I watch the next one. I'm going to be doing this at a slower pace. So until then, I will see you the next time.